listening to Game On DC, your home for local gaming and esports news in the DMV. Find the show on social media at Game On DC and by using the hashtag GoDC. Without further ado, here are your hosts, John and Joey. What's up, DMV? Welcome to Game On DC, the podcast dedicated to you, the gamers and esports fanatics right here in the East Coast capital of esports. My name is John, and I am joined by the one and the only, of course, it is the king of the courtside, Joey. What's up, buddy? John, life is great per usual. I'm excited. We're in the offseason, so there's a lot of movement going on for the Overwatch League. Wizards District Gaming making moves ahead of the draft. I'm excited. There's a lot of good stuff ahead for us at esports here. And it's a great time to be in the DMV area. Esports aside, Joey, uh, did you hear the Washington Nationals are in the uh, World Series? That's kind of crazy, right? There is a rumor about that. There is a rumor. And uh, please, let, let's get some uh, Washington Nationals esports going on. How about we have like a World Series uh, MLB The Show kind of event going on at Nats Park for the World Series? Yeah, it's, it's all a pipe dream. It's, it, it's all a dream there. I mean, it's great, John, though. We have the Capitals winning. We have the Nationals moving to the World Series. We have the Mystics winning their championship. I think that just means esports has to follow. Wizards District Gaming, Washington Justice, we're looking at you now, guys. All right, and before we kick off the show, Joey, there is one shout-out we we have to give here, uh, and that shout-out is going to be a happy birthday shout-out to the Vice President of Esport Business of the Washington Justice and good friend of the show right here at Game on DC. That would be our good friend, Grant Paranjape, uh, from all of us here at Game on DC and OTN Media. Uh, very happy birthday. Uh, his birthday is on the 17th of October. Uh, so, again, a very happy birthday to our good pal, Grant. Before we jump into the show, just a friendly reminder that if you do enjoy the show, we would be honored if you would leave us a review on your respective podcatcher of choice. We're on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. Without out of the way, let's jump right into our first segment around the gaming beltway. Joey, what's happening in the DMV? Kicking things off, Sunday, October 20th, catch some League of Legends Worlds 2019 action this Sunday with your friends at the Game Gym Watch Party in Rockville, Maryland. This one's free to attend, no cover charge. It's going to run 8 a.m. to 1 p.m., and there's going to be great action that day. We actually have the conclusion of Group D for League of Legends Worlds, one of the best esports competitions out there and one of the best to watch with friends. Team Liquid, the champions of North America. They're going up against some very, very strong teams. We have Invictus Gaming from China. You have Dam Wan from South Korea. There's a ton of competition there, but Team Liquid being that champion from NA does have a chance to make it out of the group, and you can go watch it there with friends as they struggle against these opposition, as they take down some powerhouses as well. Anything can happen on that day, and I'm excited to see what Liquid ends up doing with it. And of course, and Team Liquid having ties to the DMV as well uh, with Ted Leonsis, partial owner of Team Liquid. Uh, if that name sounds familiar, of course, he is uh, the owner of the Washington Capitals, the Washington Wizards, both arena football teams here in the DMV and Baltimore area. Uh, the uh, world champion Washington Mystics as well. Uh, so Team Liquid with those local ties, really, really cool uh, for the DMV to come out and support pretty much our local League of Legends team. Uh, and it's really cool that the Game Gym is hosting this watch party. Joey, I do remember last year, MSC actually held a watch party for Team Liquid at Capital One Arena. You and I were both there. It was absolutely outstanding. This is going to be a little bit on the smaller side. We're not opening up you know, a, a 20,000-seat arena for this. But still, nonetheless, these watch parties are always fire. And Joey, of course, I'm going to have to mention this again. 
it's not going to be at 4 a.m. in the morning like it was last year. This is going to be happening during daylight hours, and I cannot stress that enough, and I cannot be excited enough that I don't have to wake up at 4 a.m. to go to this watch party. Right, and it's going to be tons of fun. And yes, if you're a fan of another NA team, it's okay to come together and support Team Liquid here. They're a local team, not to mention they represent your region. If they do well, maybe your region gets a little extra paycheck from Riot Games. Come out there, support Team Liquid, have a great time. And I'm sorry if you're a TSM fan, but not really. Saturday, October 26th, NCS Academy CSGO Boot Camp hosted by Gex Esports. This one's going to be $25 to enter, and you can sign up as a solo player or with up to one buddy. The format will be a 5v5 match, and the event is capped at 20 players. So head over to GexEsports.com to register before it's too late. Be sure to also check out our local gaming center's websites and social media accounts as they have regularly scheduled events throughout the week as well. These centers include, but are not limited to, the Cave Gaming Center in Fairfax, Virginia, Hunter MPC Gaming Lounge in Annandale, Virginia, Tech Time Gaming Lounge in Woodbridge, Virginia, iBattle Esports PC Gaming in Centerville, Virginia, Xanadu Games at Laurel Park, Maryland, and of course the Game Gym in Rockville, Maryland as well. In addition to the gaming and esports events happening in the DMV area, we would also like to congratulate our friends at the Washington Post on a successful kickoff of Launcher, their new section that will focus on covering video games and esports. John, I am stoked for this. The Washington Post is one of the most well-regarded newspapers out there. Now it's here. Now it's bringing more video games and esports coverage on a regular basis. It's absolutely great. Washington Post, uh, yeah, it's more of a a traditional news outlet. It's still a... uh, paper print news outlet those seem to be going away almost on the daily it feels like around the country uh washington post still holding strong still having a major play a major role in in news all around the globe uh major players in dispersing that news and now uh you know they've been incredibly active in in the dmv area they've been covering a lot of the grassroots events in the dmv area and now they have made the decision to go ahead and pull the trigger on this idea, this amazing opportunity here to have a section in the Washington Post that's going to be covering video games, that's going to be covering uh, esports. You know, they it's launching this week. They've already had a couple articles come out, and it, a lot of it's really exciting. They're talking about the history of video games. How do we get to where we are today in 2019, where a 16 year old Fortnite player can make over three million dollars? In one tournament. How did we get to this point? A lot of really cool articles out there covering uh, different aspects of that journey to where we are today. Uh, Really, really cool. So couldn't be uh, more excited to have our friends over at the Washington Post launch this section and a big, big congratulations to them uh, for taking on this uh, this challenge in in this ever evolving industry that is esports and gaming. Joey, and now for our community spotlight, we are joined by local Twitch streamer, Nikki D. Nikki D, welcome to Game on DC. Thank you for having me. All right, man. So I, I got a lot of questions here. As, as someone who tries to stream myself, I'm not talking about Joey. Joey's an expert streamer. As someone who is trying to stream build my audience, I hear you have amassed a massive audience. So I'm just kind of curious. Uh, one, what got you into streaming? And uh, the follow-up question is going to be, how in the world did you get so many followers? Because I can barely even get 20. <laughs> well, so uh, the way I got into streaming, uh, back when I, was, when I was in college, I uh, was just watching uh, Machinima Respawn. 
and um i you know got caught up in watching scene anders so i watched some of his videos and then uh it was the gassy mexican like you know uh i smell you morgan freeman video that um i found out who gassy uh, e my diction and uh lol renee at the time now she's just known as renee who all of them were and at the time uh diction and uh gassy were really pushing youtube um but doing some stuff on twitch but um renee was like hardcore just really on Twitch. And so, um, yeah, I just started watching Twitch and that was basically my intro to it. It was fun. Um, it was really cool just watching, um, you know, real live gameplay as opposed to YouTube, which had been the, uh, main thing at the time. And the more I was, uh, watching the more fun I had doing it. And like, I was like, I would love to do this, you know, just talk to people, um, make at the time I was, uh, making YouTube videos, because I didn't have, like, streaming back then, the technology for that was so convoluted. Um, you know, for YouTube, it was like, oh, just get a capture card, put it in your, plug it in your computer, and you can record videos. For streaming, it was like, you got to pay for XSplit, because OBS wasn't out yet. Um, you have to do all this different stuff. So, like, I just wanted to do YouTube videos, moved to my apartment, bought a uh, uh, desktop, and put it all together. And then I was like, you know, I'm just going to stream, because it's easier. I don't have to do editing, because I don't want to pay for editing software, because money and just started streaming and ever since then it's been you know really fun just to boot up you know click the live button and everything um as for your second question how do i how did i build up my follower base um that is really just like a lot of people are looking for like some kind of secret and like i'll, I'll admit there are times where i'm just like how do how does like x streamer have so many more followers or viewers at one time than i do how do i do that um, the biggest thing is honestly just make friends, uh, pop into different communities and talk to the streamers there, talk to the people there. Um, they'll eventually learn that you are also a streamer and then they'll host you, they'll raid you. Um, some of their community members will follow you on Twitter and they'll see you go live and then they'll follow you on Twitch. Just basically it's it's networking. It's just going out and meeting people and being a nice, genuine person. And some people will catch on to that. Some people won't. So you're telling me there's no microtransactions I can pay for more followers. There's no like like super boost follower button I can smash or anything like that. I, so. I mean, you can, but I'm also going to disclaimer this, you know, put the big asterisk and say, if you do that, Twitch, I think either bans you or blacklists you from everything. Ooh. So so don't do it. Don't buy your followers because one it's really obvious when you have like an influx of 100 some people and you've been streaming for like five days or like, you know, suddenly like your follower base jumped from 2000 to like 8000 in a period of a week or two. And all you're doing is like playing, you know, Stardew Valley. No hate against Stardew, but like that game, unless you're like Shroud, is not going to boost your follower count like that. That's fair. That's fair. So so to everyone listening, view botting is never a good thing. Uh, you, you heard it don't here do it. first. Uh, probably not first, but just don't do it. It's not a good thing. But before we continue, I have to ask, recently Twitch did a complete overhaul uh, of their of their user interface. They have like a new dark mode. They move some things around. Uh, I've heard a lot of mixed feedback here. As, as someone who streams regularly on Twitch, I'm curious, what's your feedback uh, on the new interface with Twitch? Overall, I like it. Um, I, so I first saw the, over, the overhaul when I was on my... First, like when we landed after the first flight to San Diego uh, for TwitchCon. And I was just like, oh, this is cool. Like it's got kind of like a weird 80s aesthetic in the logo and everything like that. And I dug that. Um, but now that I've been using it since being back from TwitchCon, I like it overall. But there are a couple things that I really don't like at all. 
uh one the font sizing is weird to me that's a that's a very personal thing it's not a problem per se it's just i like the old font better but i'll live um my bigger issue with it is that um when you go to someone's channel like I actually have it up so this is a perfect question um if i go to someone's channel i can't see their number of followers at a glance so i have to click followers to then see how many people they have that's something i wish they hadn't changed i wish i could see that stat um just on the go but other than that like i think it's fine i think um i like the new following like the new following table and everything like that i think that's great um i like how there's a cool little thing if you go to the follower tab or go to like anyone's channel like the thumbnail it like kind of pops it out and has the drop shadow like the uh, logo does i think that's just like a cool little artistic technique i dig it yeah, I mean, a lot of great stuff out there. Twitch is definitely making some really cool feature moves. So on top of that, Nick, you had the opportunity to go to TwitchCon in San Diego this past weekend. Can you tell us a bit about your experience there? Maybe walk us through your days there? Yeah, sure. So um, TwitchCon, this this is my second TwitchCon. Last year was my first. Um, it, it, this year was much better. Uh, and and it's not because, you know, oh, it's in San Diego versus San Jose. I like San Jose. Uh, San Jose, their convention center was just um, a little smaller than San Diego, so this one just allowed more breathing room. Uh, the environment was better, I feel like. It, it just, it, 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 location-wise, it felt like a better TwitchCon. But um, I will say my issue with um, TwitchCon San Diego, like the San Diego Convention Center versus San Jose, is um, there was like, it felt like a little bit more, that things were like a little too spread out almost because the con center was so big. Versus in San Jose, you could just kind of walk around and be like, oh, there's a stream me streamer meetup spot. There's the Artist Alley. Like, those are all very kind of, like, um, isolated, like, or not isolated, like, very kind of close to each other. Whereas, like, you had to walk a decent bit to get to everything. But, again, small complaint, not really holding it against them. Um, this year was great. So, my first day was basically, um, we had a, uh, so I'm on two different teams, well, three teams. Um, one of them had a, a stream team meetup on Friday. It was the storms, uh, meetup and that was cool. It was seeing all my teammates there, some of whom I haven't met yet. And, uh, then like a bunch of community members from all our different communities coming up, asking us to sign their badges, take photos with us, all that kind of thing, which was weird for me. Cause I'd never done that before. So like, here I am, I even messaged one of my followers later. I was like, look, sorry if I didn't seem like I was paying enough attention to you guys. I have no idea what I'm doing. I've never done this before, <laughs> you know? So there was that. Um, but then, yeah, went uh, went around, did some networking with the booths, and that's my one big advice. Please, for the love of Christ, go to all the different booths and talk to people. Um, show interest in their games. Um, you know, go with a plan. Like, have a plan as to what you stream, and go to the things that make sense to go to. Don't just go to everything because oh, there's you know, it's like there's um, this booth that is something that looks cool. I just want them to sponsor me. Don't do that. It looks fake. Just go to games like there are game uh, developers there. Go to the games that make sense for you. Don't go to like, you know, random games just because you're like, oh, this looks cool and I want to sponsor. No, just do what interests you. Um, so, yeah, I went to them, then uh, went to the Ubisoft Happy Hour, which was awesome. It was my first time ever streaming from a gaming convention or from a convention in general um, because we went there and they had Ghost Recon Breakpoint set up for the open beta and we could stream from that. So that was really fun. Um, got to meet uh, Little Seha there and a couple other streamers um, that I've been dying to meet, and then also got to meet some of the Ubisoft staff, and they're awesome. Uh, so that was great. And then uh, just had you know normal night stuff, team dinner, and then went to the main menu mixer where got to network with a lot of other streamers that I had never met before or you know was seeing again for the second time. 
and even got to meet Tyler from uh, Markiplier's uh, videos, which that was just, you know, talk about, you know, just being starstruck. I was just like, wait, is that Tyler? I got to say hi to him. And it was really cool. Um, the next day was uh, basically the theme for all this is I'm like to just avoid rat- rambling about it is the big theme is like was doing a lot of networking. Um, you just look for the different booths or different uh, creators or different um, developers that are in the area that might not have a booth. Uh, for example, on Sunday, I met up with uh, Matt from uh, Gun Media because we'd done some stuff together for um, Layers of Fear 2. And I hadn't met the guy before, so I wanted to go meet him and we talked about uh, what they're going to be doing in the future in very vague terms because he couldn't reveal anything. But um, yeah, that was basically it. It's just it's a lot of networking. It's a lot of meeting up with friends uh, and fellow streamers who you know or haven't met yet and want to meet. And then also, uh, depending on who is there, meeting up with community members. Like that was probably one of my favorite things was like when someone came up to me and was like, hey, can you sign my badge? And I literally was just like, wait, I'm sorry, what? (laughs) You know, like that has never happened to me before. And it was just it was very validating. Like this, if I could put a theme onto this TwitchCon, it was validation because like um, even though I've been streaming for a total of five years um, off and on for the first three and then the last two I've been streaming more uh, focused like um, this was the first time I actually ever felt like completely validated in what I was doing because I was getting recognition from like Ubisoft main menu for their mixer. Um, I was a VIP guest at the uh, Spark Lab party, which is by, done by uh, Bottle Spark. You know, like all these different things happened and it was just like, oh, my God, you know, like this is the start. <laughs> you know, It was just really cool. That's awesome, Nick. I mean, it sounds like you met a lot of great people for the first time and then following up for a second time. You saw people who ended up tuning into your stream as well. So besides all the meetups, besides all the crazy, awesome networking that you had going on at TwitchCon, were there any particular panels or events that really stuck out to you as well? So this uh, this is actually going to go to my uh, um, criticisms of this year's TwitchCon. So um, I don't know if you guys have for uh, the DC conventions, you know how they use guidebook, like the guidebook app on your phone? And you, so you can pick out your own little, like which events you want to go to and you'll get a push notification on that. Last year, TwitchCon did the same thing. They used their own app and you could do the same thing with the schedule and you get push notifications. This year, they didn't do that for whatever reason and they stuck with a browser-based um, calendar setup. And so you could still create your own schedule, but you had to log on to the browser and you wouldn't get notifications. So like when I'm running around, I'm not exactly sure what time it is. Right. So um, I'm like, I'm running around. not really sure if I'm missing a panel or whatnot. So I didn't really get a chance to go to um, as many panels as I wanted to because I just didn't know what time it was. But there was one panel I went to. It was the uh, it was called I think it's called the gayest panel at TwitchCon. Um, Don't quote me on that. I might be getting the title wrong, but it's basically the LGBT panel. Right. And so uh, my friend who's on the storm, Infinite Hope, uh, she took me. We we bumped into each other and she's like, oh, I'm going to this panel. You should come with me. And I'm like, "Okay, sure. And so we went up and we watched it. And it was just really cool because like um, one of the biggest things that, you know, Twitch, I think, is doing well is uh, pushing visibility for minority in terms of racial uh, gender or uh, sexual orientation streamers. Uh, So, you know, for Black History Month, they have, you know, that's system of promoting uh different black streamers uh they have i think it was for like hispanic heritage month they had the same thing for different uh latinx streamers and then for uh pride month they do the same thing as well as doing a charity event for the trevor project and as well as their lgbt shirts um that panel was awesome and it was really cool seeing uh how these different uh people of various either sexual identities or gender identities or both uh were just 
discussing the whole prospect of streaming on Twitch from that standpoint and what are some of the challenges they face. And uh, yeah, for me, I mean, especially for me being an LGBT individual, I thought that was actually very fascinating to look at and just um, seeing how, you know, how they handled it and how they discussed it and just seeing all the different people, all their different questions about how they should handle it and things like that. That was probably like the best panel. Um, as for events, um, I really dug the, uh, the TwitchCon cons or the TwitchCon, uh, party just because like it was fun. Like it was handled in a really fun way, a really safe way. And it was at Pep, it was at, uh, the Padres park. I can't remember what, I think it's Pepco park, but yeah, it was, um, Y2K, Aura, Maddion, Logic, because little Nas X dropped out and, uh, uh, Blink-182. And it was just really fun. It was like, it was just a really cool time. Uh, the security was handled very well. The uh, venue was clean. The venue was uh, polite. Like all the uh, all the uh, purveyors of food and drink were very polite. And it was just overall a good time. Like I would say TwitchCon or Twitch handled this convention very professionally and very uh, smoothly. Awesome. So I just want to wrap back uh, as we're, we're going to try to come full circle here with this question. Um, so at TwitchCon, like you said, like it was your second time there. Uh, it was in a different venue. So there's a lot of things that were kind of unexpected. You didn't, you, you weren't quite sure exactly what you were expecting you between the first and second time so it's kind of the same thing you see with streamers you're not quite sure how many people you're going to draw in if you play a certain title or if you play a certain game or maybe if you decide to change it up and you're going to play a different game or a different genre of game uh so so this question um maybe a little uh, difficult but uh for streamers uh what do you do on those bad days what do you do when you know, you promote the stream, you promote that, hey, I'm going to be playing this game, uh, and then viewers don't show up, or, or maybe the chat's dead, or just maybe uh, that title uh, of game is no longer popular. Uh, being a variety streamer like yourself, what what's that next step that you need to do to kind of re-engage that community and uh, re-energize your crowd? Uh, well, okay. I was going to have a sarcastic answer and say, just quit streaming. No, no. don't do that. <laughs> don't do, don't do that. Full disclosure. Don't do that. Um, no, those happen. I mean, I'll tell you, like there have been a lot of times where I've turned off the stream and just been like, why am I doing this? You know, like why? And then, um, one of the biggest things is always look like when you're in that rut, um, especially if you've had a long stagnation, look to your community because, um, you're going to, you're going to have some measure of a community it might not be a huge community but like you're gonna have at least one person who is regularly watching your streams and you know that's one person that is getting some sort of entertainment or relaxation or enjoyment from watching you stream and that's important to take into account like i've when i get down about my streaming sometimes i'll look at my community and be like you know there are all these people here that will just regularly tune in um, that, you know, look to me for some sort of relaxation or de-stressing from whatever's going on in their life. And, you know, hey, you don't need to necessarily pull in a huge crowd every time. If you're entertaining just one person, then you're doing a good job. So there's that. But then also, like, re realize that if you're going to change up, you know, your schedule or, you know, your game or what have you, you know, there you have to take into account that there will be some sort of drop. So, like... Um, one thing that I've become more aware of is the general time of when I'm streaming. And I mean that both in terms of hour, but also month, because if you're streaming in say June through August, kids aren't in school, there's more likelihood that you're gonna have more people in your stream. That's fine. 
Um, also notice that, that your viewership is probably going to drop off in, uh, in September once kids go back to school. You know, so there, there is that. You have to keep that in mind and realize, oh, okay, there is sort of a cyclical nature to viewers. Um, also realize that if you're not playing a game that you usually play or playing a genre that you don't usually play, there might some pe be some people that are not so much into that or might not come out for that particular thing. For example, I have people that come out specifically when I'm playing a certain type of game or a certain game that I don't see in my chat at all otherwise. And, you know, as much as I would like to have them come in, I understand that. I understand that they only come in for that one certain type of content. Um, also realize that some people might not show up because you're playing a game. For example, um, some of my viewers don't like horror games. It gives them anxiety, gives them stress. They don't like it. I love horror games. I'm not going to stop doing that just because they don't show up. But I understand that some people aren't going to show up. But, uh, you know, so that's all like losing viewers. But at the same time, realize you might discover a niche that you didn't think existed. One of my most viewed streams ever was when I was playing WWE 2K16, I think it was. It was uh, one of the last ones with a showcase mode. And straight up had over 100-some viewers in it. And I was, I was blown away because I thought it was a niche game. I didn't think anyone really cared about wrestling like that. Apparently they do. And so, you know, you're going to find certain things like that, that it's like, oh, this is interesting to me. You know, this has a huge viewership. Stick with it. Um, but the, the main thing I want to communicate is don't sacrifice what you enjoy doing just to get viewers because you'll be miserable and it shows. It really, really shows. So if there's a new game you want to try, but it's in the same genre that you've been playing for a while, go for it. You know, like you're going to be somewhat interested in that. That's why, like I say, I'm a variety streamer, so I play a whole bunch of different things. But I have four genres that I, uh, you know, latch onto. I have open world games, team-based shooters, horror games, and fighting games. So that gives viewers kind of an idea of what they'll they'll most likely be seeing. But also, it allows me some wiggle room as to what I want to play. So like, open world games. Do I want to play Spider-Man or do I want to play, you know, Ghost Recon Breakpoint? Both technically fall into that category. And I'll be fine doing either one, yet it still fits my brand. Perfect. So one of the other things that we've we've touched on quite a bit in the theme of the uh, the discussion today has been the theme of community. We, uh, you've mentioned you're a part of several different groups in the Twitch community. Uh, but I want to kind of turn the focus now to right here in the DMV area where gaming and esports has kind of gone through this massive explosion in the past two to three years. Uh, Amen. Yeah, exactly. Uh what do you think is the biggest reason for kind of this explosion of gaming and esports taking place right here in our own backyard in the DMV? Well, so I, th I think there's a couple things to that. One, um, when I first moved here, I was kind of struck by how little there seemed to be like a gaming presence here, despite the fact that you had Otakon used to be up in Baltimore, now it's in DC. And, you know, let's just be blunt. Weebs also like to play video games. So there's that. Katsukon's down in National Harbor, same thing. MAGFest is in National Harbor. And AwesomeCon is here in D.C., as well as Anime USA. You have all these things, like you have these conventions, these five conventions, wait, hold on, four conventions, no, five. Five conventions uh, situated in the DMV area that people can go to, as well as like stuff like uh, GexCon, um, you know, SmashCon, GDQ comes down here every now and then. Um, you know, you have all these things that are gaming-focused and streamer-focused, or have at least stream elements to them that is in the area. So when I moved down here, I was surprised that there wasn't as much of a visibility for streaming as I thought there would be, especially because it's a big city. 
But um, then I went to the first uh, Twitch DC meetup that I was able to go to. And that was a few years ago, um, back when Imperial Girl, now Imperial, was leading it. And that was out in uh, Alice Brewing, uh, Alice Brewery. And so that was really cool. Um, but I learned that a lot of the people that do the streaming uh, stuff, at least back then, they were situated more in the Virginia area. And so it was very much like, a, okay, so the DMV has streamers, but not DC. And um, with our most recent meetup in Twitch DC, uh, I came to learn that, oh, there's a lot of people in Maryland and Virginia, of course, because DC prices are high. And so rent is hard to, hard to afford. But, like, there are a lot of people that are also just in DC, like DC city, the proper or the city proper that also stream. So having that more that greater visibility, the greater meetup opportunity um, definitely has helped contribute to that and has allowed people to realize, much like I did, oh, there are other people out here like me that stream. I mean, one of the things that, you know, definitely, you know, I've been seeing a, that I used to see a lot more back when I was single was um, on uh, dating apps. You would see a lot more people actually put, oh, I do Twitch in in their bio. And I'm just like, you're in DC and you do Twitch. Hold on, we got to talk about this through dating. You know, <laughs> like, it, like it became a networking thing. Um, so there's that. that. That is strictly the streamer thing. Um, as for gaming, I mean, from what I understand, uh, fighting game has fighting games have always been a bigger thing here in DC. Um, so you know, you have SmashCon, you have um, you had the Red Bull event that was out here fairly recently, which I think definitely drew a lot of eyes on the area. Uh, then you had the district gaming stuff with uh, 2K and uh, NBA 2K, and that's awesome. So that that's bringing a variety of uh, esports attention to the city as well. And then finally, you have Overwatch League. And Overwatch League having the Washington Justice, honestly, I think is probably the biggest visibility we have because, you know, Overwatch is huge. Um, it's marketed heavily. From from what I understand, it's also the only um, it's the only eSport team. Like, Well, I don't know if this is true for District Gaming, so correct me if I'm wrong. But I know that um, the Washington Justice is sponsored by Events DC and is also basically endorsed by the city itself. Um, and I think it's the only eSport team that is like that. I might be completely wrong, but the fact that it's like that just shows that eSports is being recognized by our own city's government and our own city's general culture. So with all that happening, it's just going to cause more attention. And it's going to cause the uh, the eyes on streaming and gaming and eSports to just explode. Right there with you, Nick. I mean, the DMV scene has grown so much just in the last couple of years, and I can only imagine now with the Justice having home games, WizDG with the number one pick in the draft. I mean, there are so many good things trending toward DC Esports right now. I think the five years, three, maybe three to five years out, we're going to be even bigger and probably one of the biggest on the East Coast. Oh, yeah. And the thing is, like, we have the environment for it, too. I mean, we have the ESA, the Entertainment Software Association, here in DC, um, we have Bethesda, like the game company, just up the road, up in uh, Rockville. Uh, yeah, Rockville. So there's that. I mean, when you have like one of the number one developers slash publishers in gaming media here, that's pretty. Uh, that's really important. And then also, um, one thing I feel like a lot of people aren't taking into account, and maybe you know, Amazon themselves aren't taking into account, but they have their Amazon's putting HQ2 down in Crystal City. That's huge. And honestly, I think it would be a big oversight if in their second HQ, they didn't have a Twitch-related office in DC as well. 
So that way it can do government relations and stuff like that. And having that here would bring another element of gaming and streaming to the DC and the DMV area that would just increase the visibility in this area. 100%. So as we do come to the end of this interview, though, Nick, it's been great talking to you. We do have to ask, do you have any advice for aspiring streamers out there? Uh, don't give up. Uh, I'll, like That is the biggest thing. Don't give up. Uh, you know, keep pushing, you know, what games you like and keep being approachable. Um, you know, it's going to be depressing. Like there are going to be a lot of times that I've been streaming for five years and Twitch has only become more saturated. You know, Twitch has become more popular. Yesterday, the uh, third quarter uh, viewer report came out and Twitch has something like 75.6% of the viewer share out of them, YouTube gaming, Facebook gaming and Mixer. And that is just going to continue growing like that. And with that amount of streamers, you know, you're going to be a face in a massive crowd. And so that's going to get discouraging. But just keep plugging away. Keep finding your audience. People will pop into your stream and welcome them in and create an open and welcoming environment. And people will keep showing up and you will grow. The other thing is that in your net, in your haste to grow, don't do follow for follow because it's very disingenuous and it's very just taboo in the entire streamer space. I had a guy who came into my stream when I was doing Red Dead Redemption 2 and it was like, hey, if I follow you, do you want to follow me? And I'm like, hold on. And I just paused the game, stopped essentially, you know, focusing on what I was doing in the game. And I just stopped um, everything else that I was doing in the stream. And I was like, look, man, don't do this. You know, what I want you to do is I want you to go to other people's streams and watch them, be friends with them, you know, get to know their community, get to know them. They will come watch you and then you will grow. Sure enough, the guy became one of my regulars in my community. He's now an affiliate and he's doing great. I met him at TwitchCon. And that's the biggest thing is that you can't be desperate to grow. You have to be open to growth, but you also have to be open for the work that comes with it. And yeah, there's work and there's going to be down moods. But, you know, just keep at it. Keep being honest. Keep being, uh, I don't want to say wholesome, but like keep being honest and genuine in how you're doing it. And you'll grow and you'll have a great time and you'll meet a lot of awesome friends. Solid advice. Make sure you go follow Nick D on Twitch. It's twitch.tv slash Nick D. Follow him on social media. Follow him on Twitter and Instagram, Nick D1 for both of those. And as well, he has a Discord server. We'll have all of those in the notes for you below. Nicky D, thank you so much for joining Game on DC. Thank you for having me. Joey, with that, let's go ahead and jump right into the Capitol Coliseum. Let's take a look at what's going on in the pro scene. It is the offseason still, but oh my gosh, Joey, the floodgates have opened. The, the Overwatch League offseason means free agency, and oh my goodness, it feels like everyone's a free agent. <laughs> uh, social media is absolutely blowing up all over the country, all over the world with free agents in the Overwatch League. Let's all remember... A lot of these guys in season one signed two-year contracts. We're at the end of season two. Guess what? That's free agency. Let's go. Expansion teams, They most of most of the players signed a one-year deal with a team option for a second year. Uh, with, a, uh, with an op. Mm. Expansion teams, most of their players signed a one-year deal with a team option for a second year. Some were kept. Some were not kept. Same with the Washington Justice. We're seeing a lot of players come in and out. We're seeing the same thing with coaches for the Washington Justice. Some coaching changes of note. Avila, MKL, Shrugger, and Wizard Young have departed the Washington Justice. That is the OG lineup 
of the Washington Justice coaching staff. They are now gone. Their contract's not renewed. John, oh, how are we saying his last name again? Galt. 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 John Galt has been hired from the L.A. Gladiators as your new Washington Justice head coach. Joey, let's just talk about the, the coaching changes so far. Obviously, we only have a head coach. We don't really have that supporting staff yet. But what are your reactions to these coaching changes going into season three? So honestly, the Justice are getting a lot of negative feedback on social media for letting go the coaching staff after a really strong stage four. John, you and I talked about it a bit on last week's show. There's a lot of factors to consider out there, fans. Yeah, stage four looked great, but what about stage one, two, and three? You got to keep in mind, with the roll lock coming in, yes, it can increase the coaches what they originally thought they were going to get as far as the player comps. But it also is a complete different change for a lot of different organizations. Some of those strongest organizations no longer look that strong. The Justice did work their way up. I think part of it's credited to coaching, but I think a big portion of it is credited to that 2-2-2 roll lock change and the fact that the players could play what they're comfortable on as well. I think that's one of the big reasons we're seeing these changes come through. The staff at the Washington Justice figured they wanted to go into season two with something new. They wanted to try some new coaches. They weren't happy with the first few stages of uh, the season for Overwatch League season two. The last part, it, yeah, it looked good. But again, change was necessary if they want to continue moving forward. And they bring in John Galt here. This is someone that Anna Lynn has worked with on the Gladiators, our new GM. I think John Galt brings a lot of talent to the table. He was not the head coach over at the Gladiators. I believe he was an assistant coach slash analyst. But he does come in with a lot of experience. The LA Gladiator squad being one of the more successful in Overwatch League, really bringing hits to big big player teams. Some of these teams we saw do really well in playoffs with the Gladiators themselves included. So I'm excited to see John Galt come in. I think he's going to bring a fresh take to this team. And we're also going to be looking at a very different roster as there were player changes that we'll get into as well. But just looking purely at coaching, I think John Galt is a really talented guy. From what I've seen in his work in contender scene, in previous Overwatch teams, with the Gladiators in general, I feel like he brings a lot of strategy to the table. And I feel like strategy was something the Justice was really lacking last year. They did have some cool strategies here and there that worked really well. But again, I think they were a bit handcuffed as far as what they could do with the comps that came out with GOATS being the meta. I think now that we don't see ghosts, now that we're going to in 2-2-2, having a really strong strategic coach is going to be a big, big pointer for the Justice, and I think John Galt can get the job done really well. And Joey, as you just mentioned a few moments ago, the next major topic that we need to talk about in the offseason of the Overwatch League is, of course, the free agency for players. We already, we, we just talked... We just got done talking about the coaches. Let's take a look at the roster for the Washington Justice. Uh, just like the coaches, a lot of these players were signed to one two-year deals, possibly a team option. Uh, so there are some things we need to take a look at here. And for the Justice, we have a lot of departures. But the great news is we already have four players returning, including our Swedish tank duo Elivote and Lulsish. They were announced at towards the end of last season, I believe um, it was partial way through stage four, but due to visa issues, unfortunately, they weren't able to join the team. But now we can confirm through the Washington Justice and social media updates, Corey and Stratus will be joining our Swedish tank duo on the active roster for season three as well. Both players have agreed to extend their contract with the Washington Justice. Uh, so we have four out of our six players uh, for our starting lineup, that doesn't mean it's going to stop at six. We'll probably go a little bit past six. Uh, but, Joey, that does leave us with some departures. 
Right. And like you said, John, that does bring us to departures. And we do have to say a goodbye and a thank you to Otto, Hyanu, Janice, Sansom, Guido, and Sleepy. They did a great job for us, especially in Stage 4. A lot of these players really getting to show off their talents. Uh, I mean, Sansom, just look at him. He had one of the best Roadhog hooks in the league, it felt like, at the end. The accuracy was off the charts. Janice, obviously, a great successful first season with the New York Excelsior. A bit rockier here with the Washington Justice, especially through the first few stages. But he did start picking it up once we moved to a 2-2-2. All said and done, though, we do have to thank these players. They contributed to that final run. They contributed to our inaugural season at the Washington Justice, but they have all chosen to move on, whether that be a decision made by the Justice or a decision made by the player themselves. They are exploring other opportunities. A few of these players have already signed with other teams as well, so we do have to bid farewell to them, but they did a great job here in their inaugural season. All right, Joey, so we know going into Season 3, we at least have Corey Stratus, Elevote, and Lulsesh Coming back to the Washington Justice, really excited for that Swedish tank duo. Again, we didn't get a chance to see him uh, last season, so that's going to be really cool for Justice fans going into Season 3. But that leaves us with some holes. We, we, we don't have a support line. We don't have alternates. So, Joey, uh, a little bit of homework. Uh, next week, I want us both, you and I combined here, we're going to do a little group effort here. Uh, we we want to we wanna come back next week with, let's say, three or four players that are going to be on our wish list. Got players that are going to be on our bucket list that we... Uh, think would be a great fit for the Washington Justice. Are, are you are you cool with having a little bit of homework for next week, Joey? I'm totally cool with that. I mean, we already picked up the top two on my wish list and Ellie Vote and Lolshesh. I mean, these two tank players, we have such a huge tank duo coming into Washington here. We got to see a little preview of it over there in Australia. For those that follow contenders, they played very well together on the Angry Titans. They played on Envy together. This tank duo knows each other. They pretty much grew up together. They have so much synergy between one another that it is going to look so clean moving into the Overwatch League. Yeah, there might be a little adjustment period here and there, but the way these two play off of each other is going to be such a huge contribution to the success of the Justice in their next season for Overwatch League Season 3. On top of that, be proud of who we're coming in on the DPS roles. You have Corey, one of the best, if not the best, Widowmaker in the whole Overwatch League. On top of that, you have the social media genius himself in Stratus. He plays a great Farah. he plays a great number of other champions and heroes in the game, but he also plays social media so well. I mean, Stratus, if you think of any player that you connect with through Season 2, Stratus has so many people in that level. I can't imagine how many Twitter followers he gained just from all his interactions with fans. If you look at any player throughout the whole league, we have one of the best Widowmakers, one of the best social media and pretty darn good DPS players, two of the best tanks in the league as well as as far as duos go. I mean, they're going to challenge some of the best duos in the league tank-wise. I'm so stoked with what we have already, and now we really need to fill out those support roles in the bench. Or maybe even starters. Who knows who they end up going out to get still. Um, but support players, so most of our support players have left at this point. Looking at who is still left, we have Ark. So Ark has not been re-signed by the Washington Justice, and he's not signed with another team yet either. And he's not been bid farewell. That means Ark is completely in free agency. He's probably exploring offers from the Washington Justice, from other teams, seeing maybe what kind of money offers he gets, what kind of teammate um, offers to really play with other teammates he gets. Uh, he did spend season one with New York Excelsior. He made a lot of friends over there. Then he got signed by the Washington Justice mid-season for season two. And now he's over here at the Washington Justice and did a hell of a job in stage four. With that being said, he can demand more money from others. It, he did end up, he was an expensive contract coming in. I mean, 
The trade fee was what, around $250,000 is what was advertised um, from people like Jacob Wolf. So there was a lot of money out there coming there. So I don't know what his contract ended up being worth, but I have a feeling it was quite sizable. So I think the justice might be arguing, well, hey, this is how much we're willing to offer. Other teams may be jumping in with other amounts. And then from there, ARC needs to make a big decision if that ends up being what happens. Um, but all we do know at this point is that he's in free agency. So he could resign with the justice. He could end up somewhere else. So we have somewhere between one and two positions in the starting lineup to fill at this point, plus the bench. I mean, any of these players can get injured. We've seen it in esports all the time, especially with wrist injuries. Uh, the mental game as well is a huge part of esports. So there's a lot out there, John. I'm very curious to see who you end up rounding your wish list out with. And DMV, don't think you're getting away scot-free here. I want to know who you want to see on the Washington Justice as well. Feel free to tweet at the show at GameOnDC on Twitter. Let us know who you want the Justice to sign. And who knows, maybe next week your tweet will end up right here on this show. We have one other team we need to talk about before we wrap up this episode of Game On DC. And Joey, that is our very own NBA 2K League team, the Washington District Gaming Organization. Joey, they're in the news for something pretty awesome. They're in the news because the NBA 2 League just held their lottery picks for their upcoming NBA 2K League draft for going into Season 3. Joey... We had a 7% chance of getting the first overall pick, we being Wizard District Gaming. Joey, guess who got number one overall? Who did it, John? Who? Wizards District Gaming. Oh, snap. Yes, sir. Number one pick in the NBA 2K League goes to our very own Wizards District Gaming. Now, Pat and the entire crew down there at Monumental Sports Entertainment, uh, the parent company for WizDG, I can confirm after conversations, they were very excited. They were ecstatic. They were jumping up and down. A lot of people were high-fiving. They were, they were absolutely pumped when they won that lottery, as you can imagine any organization would be. They get the first pick. They get the first pick of the cream of the crop of everyone that qualifies that is returning players that were released after the season, and that is everyone who qualifies for the draft as well for the NBA 2K League. Uh, Joey, this is such a great moment for WizDG especially after some of the, the the ups and downs this team has gone through. Uh, season one, they qualified for the playoffs, but they were knocked out in the first round. In that offseason, we lost Boo Painter uh, to uh, some trouble outside of the virtual court. Uh, then, you know, season two was really rough for, for WizDG. It, it was not a good season. They finished strong, but that, that slow start really did hurt them in the long run. Now with holding on to... Reese to God and Day Fright, and now they have the opportunity to get a solid number three. I'm not going to say number three. I mean, it's a number one pick overall, but that's essentially three first-round talents going to be on this team going into season three. Joey, there is a lot of expectations for WizDG now just from the start from winning the first overall pick in this lottery. Yeah, if Reese plays as hot as he did at the end of last season and they pick up someone really strong with this first-round pick, you're looking at a potential big three here in the NBA 2K. This could be the Miami Heat of years past all over again. The Warriors regained in the 2K scene. There's so much potential here. Dave Fry is so talented. Reese to God, he was just hitting every shot, it felt like, at the end of the season. The team was clicking. Yeah, they started off slow. They had to drive their way back into it. And yeah, some of the players didn't perform at the level they wanted to or the, the fans wanted them to. But at the same point, Coach Pat is returning. So with Coach Pat Cross in there, as well as Reese Degat and Dave Fry, they have a very solid foundation. A number one pick is never going to hurt a team. 
So I think, John, with all that talent coming back to the squad, that number one pick included, we're looking at a very, very strong matchup. And it, the way this team has been drafting over the past couple of years, it feels like they're getting better and better as well. They ended up drafting some of the players they had from season one for season two. And I think it was a good move overall. It didn't put them high off into the playoffs, but it did bring back a lot of that chemistry. And Reese to God was able to really bring himself into his own. We've seen him really develop over the first two seasons. Gilly got better as well, returning too. I think this team has so much talent on it, and now it's A-Fry, Reese to God, this number one pick, and Coach Pat back. I really think the sky's the limit for Wizards DG. I'm going to go ahead and pin them right now that they make playoffs, and I think they do push for the championship, depending on what that number one seed is and how they fill out the rest of the roster. Joey, this offseason for our pro eSport teams here in the DMV area could not be more exciting. Free agency is all around. The first overall pick for WizDG it is only going to get more exciting from here on out, and I can't wait for more breaking news from these two organizations. That will do it for this episode of Game On DC. If you enjoy listening to Game On DC, we want to hear from you. Leave us a review on Spotify, iTunes, and Stitcher. You can also leave us a comment on Google Play and SoundCloud. We would love to hear from you. Don't forget to subscribe and follow us on social media to keep up with all gaming and esports news right here in the DMV. Joey, where else can our listeners go to follow Game On DC? Listeners, head on over to Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram to find us at Game On DC. You can also find us using hashtag GoDC. Until next time, I'm John. I'm Joey. Game, Game On, on DC. DC.